Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. I have had so many discussions in recent years with people that don't understand the importance of their God-given right to freedom of speech. They are so willing to let others tell them what they can say or what they cannot say. They are willing to give up their freedom of speech in the name of, well, not having to hear something they don't like or, or agree with. They call it disinformation many times, or untruths and lies at other times. When I ask them who they would put in charge of determining what is true or or what is not, they say, well, that the government experts should be given this task. <laughs> of course, this is scary stuff. Anyone who has even a little bit of knowledge of history knows that the, the first thing a tyrannical government or a, or a dictator or communist government will do it, to, to seize control of a society is to control what people see and what people hear. A good example of this today is, is seeing how Google had to bow down to the Chinese government's demands for a sanitized internet in order to do business there. If you're in China and, and trying to look up certain things on Google, well, Google has censored um, many times what you're, what you're looking for at the behest of the Chinese Communist Party. They had to do that in order to provide Internet service and, and, and Google services there. But this is not a new thing. It, it has been going on for a very long time. Take the Black Robe Regiment, for instance. Uh, from kellygoshorn.org, uh, they say, unlike today, the church in colonial and revolutionary America served as the hub for political debate, as well as for disseminating and, and discussing current events. And when it came to British oppression, well, they didn't hesitate to call for independence. These fiery orators were dubbed by the British as the Black Robed Regiment in reference to their black clerical robes. Defenders of the, the British crown found preachers' support of the patriot cause particularly detrimental, as they put it, to their efforts to maintain loyalty among the colonists. In, in the 1770s, most colonists actually still consider themselves aligned with England. Many parishioners questioned the legitimacy of, of revolution. From, from their pulpits, members of the Black Robe Regiment, they, they reassured their congregants that th their revolution was justified in the eyes of God. In fact, the British believed so strongly that it was the, the preaching from, from colonial pulpits that pushed its citizens into rebellion, that many ministers had bounties put on their heads. Loyalists burned the homes and, and churches of pastors who preached against British rule. Hatred by the British for the clergy ran so deep that on the battlefield, wounded ministers were frequently executed rather than taken prisoner. One such member of the Black Robe Regiment 
was the, the Reverend Samuel West, pastor of the Congregationalist Church of Dartmouth, Massachusetts. West was invited to give the prestigious Election Day sermon in Boston in, in 1776. And in his message, he proclaimed that the, the colonies were already independent and constituted a, a new nation. Quote, any people, when cruelly oppressed, has the right to throw the yoke and be free. This is what Reverend West um, further declared. He said, to save our country from the hands of our oppressors ought to be the dearer to us, even, even than our own lives. And next, the eternal salvation of our souls is the thing of greatest importance, a duty so sacred that it cannot justly be dispensed with for the sake of our secular concerns, unquote. Now, according to David Barton of Wall Builders, he says, quote, modern historians have noted that not one single right asserted in the Declaration of Independence hadn't been preached from the colonial pulpits prior to 1763. It wasn't only the British who, who gave great uh, attribution to the clergy, but, but founders like John, John Adams exalted the clergy's role in, in stirring the hearts of the people to fight when he said, quote, the pulpits have thundered. Well, the call to educate the church on political and social issues didn't end with um, American victory at Yorkstown. The, the black-robed regiment of the revolutionary era set a precedence that inspired pastors throughout American history to instruct their parishioners on what the Bible said about issues ranging from slavery to civil rights. Patriotic pastors have led troops into battle, ministered to the wounded, written laws and, and public policy, lobbied our government, founded universities, and, and have been elected to local, state, federal government offices across the nation. Sadly, today, many, many pulpits are quiet. And when it comes to instructing the church on what the Bible has to say about social and political issues of our day, we just don't hear a lot many times. Many pastors are quiet because of the fear that they will say something that will get them into trouble. Free speech is, is not important enough to them to defend. Do you, do you know that the British also um, did something with the black robe uh, brigade. They they actually had every pastor and minister send their sermons to England for approval before they could give them in their churches. They didn't want any disinformation, as they call it now, getting out. And and ripped from the pages of George Orwell's 1984 novel. Today we set up a disinformation governance board. From the Daily Signal and Jarrett Stepman, he wrote on May 18th that the Biden administration didn't create a ministry of truth. We don't have governmental ministries here in the U.S. That's a British thing. What we have is we have departments and boards. <laughs> the Biden administration announced on Wednesday that it's putting a pause on its disinformation governance board. The new agency announced in April was to operate under the Department of Homeland Security and would be tasked with the countering 
misinformation related to Homeland Security, focused specifically on irregular migration and Russia, unquote. The administration was clear, uh, actually was unclear, about what the role and scope of their disinformation board would be. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, really straightforward. Uh, would, for example, having the wrong opinion soon be considered a national security threat worthy of censorship? I mean, we, we know that, that parents going to school board meetings and, and being upset with what the school board uh, is doing uh, is classified as that. Well, I mean, who knows what this was going to be. The, the one thing that's clear is that the new board and the, the person tasked to, to lead it weren't, as they say in Washington, good optics. <laughs> it, was, it was bad enough that by the Biden administration seemingly took George, George Orwell's book, 1984, as a guide rather than as a warning. It then made things worse with the appointment of Nina Jankowski. Uh, uh, she, she's the self-proclaimed Mary Poppins of disinformation to, uh, to, to lead this board. The, um, the, the, the new and former, of course, she's former now since she resigned, disinformation Zarina certainly appeared to be a, a real expert in disinformation. She, she cast doubt on the, the veracity of the, the Hunter Biden laptop story, for instance, which was, of course, confirmed to be true. She dismissed the idea that COVID-19 originated in a lab in Wuhan, China, as nothing more than a way to put and to, to give then President Donald Trump a scapegoat for the pandemic. That's what she said. Clearly, there's a good reason to believe that story, even if, if, if China makes finding the, the truth difficult or, you know, even impossible. In addition, uh, Jen Cowitz, she, she back uh, since debunked claims that Trump was connected to a Kremlin-backed bank. We just did a podcast on this very thing about how that was completely untrue and made up, of course, by the Clintons. What's more, she has an extensive public record of seeing any story that counters left-wing narratives or makes Democrats in general look bad as examples of disinformation. For instance, speaking at an event in, in Ohio, she said that the opposition to critical race theory is just being seized upon by the Republicans and other disinformers for profit. Wow. Her solution to any such problem always seems to end up being censorship by people like, like herself, who naturally are always on the side of goodness and truth. <laughs> True to form, though, she shuddered at the thought of Twitter becoming a more pro-free speech platform. Of course she did. She warned about social media companies allowing uh, on their platforms um, maligned creativity, as she put it, since she had become, uh, she said it had become sexist and transphobic, as she called it. Mean memes are apparently in need of censorship. <laughs> and, and don't you dare mock those of us in power, right? Man, it's just kind of a no stuck in the air kind of attitude. 
Now, Jankowitz also said in a recent Zoom chat that uh, verified Twitter users who are, of course, always known for their good sense and truthfulness <laughs> should have the ability to edit other people's tweets. She also said some people should be unverified because, well, they're not tr uh, trustworthy. Which raises the question, who is trustworthy? I, and no doubt it will be the Democratic Party activists and, and the big tech overlords who work with them, of course. And unsurprisingly, former White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki had, had said that the new disinformation board would be nonpartisan and apolitical. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's clear that the disinformation czarina, who wasn't really, thinks that anything contradicting left-wing groupthink must be false. That's what the, the larger war on disinformation has ultimately been about, really. That Democrats now, the party of insiders and, and agencies and institutions, want to exert their monopolistic institutional power to ensure that all public platforms and forums are, are college campus-style liberal safe spaces, so to speak. Dissent, to the extent that it, it's allowed to exist, is to be controlled and managed, of course. And if any conspiracy theories deemed misinformation turn out to be true, well, then, you know, you know mistakes were made, is what will be said. There, there will be no mea copas, no reckoning. The, the news cycle is expected to just move along. What we have in America today is a full-blown and an obvious attack on the culture of free speech. This effort is becoming so brazen that even some people traditionally on the left are noticing and expressing concern. I mean, look at HBO's real time, right? Host Bill Maher said the Disinformation Governance Board had a, quote, creepy name <laughs> and noted that the the uh, opaque mission of the agency was even creepier. <laughs> yes, this is what he said. Yes, they're right to compare this to Orwell and the Ministry of Truth, he said. That's exactly what it sounds like. Mar pointed out to the, the main problem with the dis disinformation board, which is that the government should not be involved in deciding what's true or not true, right? I mean, is that, <laughs> we call this podcast Uncommon Sense. Why? Because there was a time when common sense was the rule of the day that you would try to go off common sense, but common sense is just not that common anymore. So that's why it's uncommon sense now, right? Well, he went even further. This idea that we can clean up Twitter and protect you from fake news and, and disinformation well, it's so ridiculous. Uh, people always lie. That's that's what people do so oftentimes. Every age is the disinformation age. And, you know, Maurer is correct. Fake news is epidemic to, to human civilization. Whether in a free or an authoritarian society, we must grapple with the fact that you can't believe everything you hear. 
I mean, we 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 laugh at the memes and things where uh, somebody will say, "Well, I saw it on the internet, so it must be true." The, the disinformation board isn't just an example of bad optics; it's even worse governance. the The concept of a a government agency dictating to sorting out what is true or false runs counter to the American tradition. The founding fathers sought to create a system that would foster self-government and protect citizens from just arbitrary power. We the people must ultimately be responsible for finding the truth in the world, no matter the era and, and, and the lies that abound. Fake news will always be with us. That's It's just a fact of life. That's why the U.S. Constitution protects freedom of speech through the First Amendment, which was was created when most European governments had bureaus of censorship, just like the one that that would would censor pastors' uh, sermons and things. Even in the in the case of issues like like libel and slander, slander, we we have courts and juries of, of one's peers, not arbitrary government boards, that that ascertain the truth of the matter. Free speech and and trials by jury. That's the American way. And when we cede the, the, the power to determine truth from falsehood to, to government boards and rulers, we are ultimately ceding the liberties and the duties of citizenship. Societies where information is tightly controlled by the government in, in, this, in this way are, are not only less free, they are ultimately more, more susceptible to revolution to be frank. Uh, People under tightly controlled systems are unable to determine for themselves truth from fiction. Governments used to be able to control information and and lie and manipulate to protect the the, the power of rulers. Eventually, a system built on lies will fail or or reach a breaking point. But the, the new disinformation age and its Zarina <laughs> that we had here were indeed creepy. <laughs> There's just no two ways around it. Let's hope a similar board doesn't come back under a more innocuous sounding name and a subtler leader, really. And the very idea of an American style ministry of truth, regardless of what it is called, has no place in our constitutional republic. Most most Americans, really, they still get that. And Michael Brown of the Daily Wire asks, should we welcome Holocaust deniers and insiders to violence to social media platforms in the name of free speech? I mean, really, what he's getting at here is how far does it go? Freedom of speech is is so important to us as Americans. Our founding fathers made it one of our most foundational liberties. According to the the First Amendment, it says this, quote, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press. But should all speech be permitted? Is is that really the American way? Is that what our founding fathers were were trying to get at? What if someone 
spreads defamatory lies about you, claiming that you were responsible for the spread of COVID in your community, or you were a super spreader or something, right? Giving giving out your your home address, let's say, and posting pictures of your children or or calling for violence against you and your family and, and instructing people how to burn down your house even. Should that, should that speech be permitted in the public square? What kind of speech should be allowed on social media? All, all speech of all kinds, should that be allowed? Well, the hysterical reaction of many on, on the left to Elon Musk's pending purchase of, of Twitter reveals the degree to which free speech is a one-way street for them. To paraphrase their words, we can speak freely since we are the enlightened truth-tellers, but ignorant haters like you must be silenced. I mean, that's, that's, that really sums up how many of them think. On the, on the campuses across America, it, it is free speech for me, but not for thee, right? I mean, that, that's really what we see today. Yet as far as in, in ensuring that, that social media platforms are free and fair to all, an editorial in the uh, Chicago Tribune was correct in stating that when it comes to Elon Musk her, um, heralding free speech on Twitter, quote, he'll find the devil is in the details, unquote. And, and that was proven to be absolutely true, but not in a way that is unique to Musk or, or Twitter at all. Instead, these are the perennial legal questions that are constantly ad- addressed by the courts. For example, the freedom uh, Forum Institute asks the question, which types of speech are not protected under the First Amendment? Well, their answer is that although different scholars view unprotected speech in different ways, there are basically nine categories. These nine categories are obscenity, fighting words, defamation, and this is including libel and slander and that type of thing, child pornography, of course, uh, perjury, blackmail, incitement to imminent lawless action, uh, true threats, uh, solicitation to, to commit crimes. And, and obviously, each of these categories requires further definition and description and, and, and more time than we have here today. But, but the, the simple point is this. Freedom of speech does not mean that all speech of all kinds is protected under the First Amendment. Very few of us are, you know, advocating really for that. That's not what what most people talk about. But we do believe that the vast majority of speech should be permitted, and more importantly, that the the playing field should be level and the rules be the same for everyone. That is that is what matters most, and and that is where Twitter. And, and Facebook and other social media platforms have failed, for the most part, miserably. The, the playing field has been anything but equal, and, and everyone has not been allowed to play by the same rules. This podcast, for instance, is not on Twitter, um, and it's not on Twitter for a reason, because, we, number one, we'd be shut down. We, even if we wanted to be on Twitter, we, we, we wouldn't be able to. Uh, but, but it's not been a level, level playing field. And, and seriously, now, I mean, when when you you can get banned from Twitter for stating a biological fact, such as you know Richard or uh, Rachel Levine, whatever you want to call, 
is a, a biological male? Well, something is terribly amiss. Or, or how about when, as, as professional psychologists, you, you um, permanently lose your YouTube channel for sharing peer-reviewed documentation about homosexual men whose same-sex attractions were lessened through trauma therapy. Well, something is very wrong. And, and for the record, the respected psychologist in, in question is Dr. Joseph uh, Nicolasi uh, Jr. He, he's, he was banned for hate speech for saying that. And, and it, is, it is here that as far as I can tell, Elon Musk has it correct. He wants neutrality and he wants fairness under the law, as he tweeted, of course, on, on April 26th. So should Holocaust deniers and insiders to violence be allowed on Twitter? That gets us back to our question. If their speech is protected under the First Amendment, then yes. If not, then no, right? It's pretty simple. If, if it is considered legal by the courts, meaning that these people could circulate their views in newspapers or books or pamphlets, then they should be able to circulate those views online. If, if their speech is illegal, then it should not be allowed on the online platforms. Of course, there will always be gray areas. There's just no two ways around it. And it will be Im impossible for perfect neutrality to be maintained. That, that's just given human nature. And, and discussions will be made to, you know, to err on one direction or another uh, you know, too much freedom or too little freedom, whatever. And, and any individual platform should be able to dictate what it chooses to ban. For example, you know, there, there are ministries that choose to ban profanity on all their social media platforms, and that should be okay. And I'll say here that the courts normally rule that free speech is only restricted by time, manner, and place. In other words, I can't yell fire in a crowded theater. We, that, that's the, the classic example. Uh, or, or I can't uh, yell slanderous things at midnight in the middle of the freeway, right? These fall under time, manner, and place restrictions. But this is what the left likes to do. They like to take the extreme of an issue and then extend it to the whole thing. For example, on the abortion issue. They say, what about rape and what about incest and, and, and threat to the mother's life? Well, because of these, these fringe examples that, that constitutes a, just a small fraction of the issue, we need to keep abortion for everyone, even those using it for contraception. Well, the point is that just because there are a few time, manner, and, and place restrictions on, on free speech doesn't mean that we only have freedom when some expert says we do. But when it comes to social media platforms claiming neutrality and, and presenting equal guidelines for all, well, things have gotten drastically out of whack. And in that light, it shouldn't be hard to reverse Twitter's steady and, and at times, radical shift towards the left. And, and as Musk is navigating these muddy waters himself, his simple you know, dictum has lots of truth. Quote, 
is someone you don't like allowed to say something you don't like? If that is the case, then we have free speech. Let the real debate begin. And and Twitter and other social media platforms have intentionally squelched free speech because they think they know best. A, a Twitter employee was caught on video saying his company is not here to just give people free speech. From uh, Business Today, uh, they said a video has emerged, and I, I've seen the video, of Twitter Twitter's lead client partner, Alex Martinez, speaking to an undercover journalist from uh, Project Veritas, where Martinez is seen saying some really unpleasant things about Elon Musk. <laughs> the video shared by, by American journalist Benny Johnson uh, shared the Project Veritas video where Martinez calls Musk as someone with special needs, mentioning Asperger's syndrome, and also saying that the, the rest of us who have been here believe in something that's good for the planet, and that Twitter is not here to just give people free speech, unquote. Quote, well, right now, we don't make a profit. So it's going to say ideologically, which is what's lead us, led us into not being profitable. The rest of us who have been here believe in something that's good for the planet and not just to give people free speech. Martinez is, is seen telling a journalist this. Martinez also talked about the labels the platform puts on misinformation and how these were necessary and should be taken down. It should not be uh, taken down. He added that, that he wanted Twitter to be as fair, transparent, and accurate as possible, right? He also added that Musk wants to turn things the other way to make money. He then goes on to point out that Musk has Asperger's and thus is special and with special needs, and that is why he cannot take what Musk says seriously. Now, all of this to say this that our God-given right of free speech is not something that we can take for granted. We just willfully give it up to experts, then we will soon have no rights at all. And you may agree with me, you may not agree with me. I would definitely love to hear from you. And you can always do that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.